Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Episode 71, I believe, of the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I fucking be? Thank you for joining me. Uh, another episode of the podcast. Um, again, the world is moving at such a pace. It's almost difficult to even keep up. One, with what the fuck we've spoken about before. And two, what the hell's going on? Because the world's on fire. Continues to be on fire. But, um, you know, as always, I hope you're safe and well. Um... Where else does it say other than, you know, let's just, let's just jump in it, man. Food prices are rising. Food prices are rising uh, quicker than uh, inflation, quicker than people are getting paid. You know, it's going to get to the point soon where it's like uh, life's like 16th century Russia. You know? When you're selling every single thing that you own, all your possessions, for a slice of bread and not even a good fancy artisan sourdough. I'm talking a slice of mother's bread. Um... We have had the announcement, obviously, that we are moving towards ending uh, lockdown, ending the the hell that is uh, COVID uh, restrictions. Uh, And then since that announcement, as I said uh, on last week's podcast, it feels as if the world has gone mad because the majority of people in this country uh, just hear that we are on the road to uh, ending lockdown and we look to be back to normal life by the summer, if not the second half of the year, and people just hear, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm going to go and have a party. It's uh, it's madness. Absolute insanity. But, you know, as the as the world continues on, um, we are seeing more and more of the, the politicians desperate to try and ally themselves into the uh, the winner's circle, because once this is over, it's it's going to go back to the old, the old ways of backstabbing eh, and throwing each other under the bus to try and get ourselves ahead in the world. Again, I know we say it a lot, but I continue to look back when all this started and we had all the fucking, the the media and the press, everyone coming out going, take this time. Why don't we take this time during lockdown to learn a skill, reconnect with someone we've lost in our past life because once this is all over, we're going to come out better people and more, more rounded humans and understand ourselves, and now we're fucking throwing boulders into the ocean, trying to drag fishing trawlers into the sea, drowning fishermen, and everybody's at home making focaccia, and nobody's having wings anymore. The world's gone mad! The world's gone mad, but... In the, uh, in actually today, 
today's been a, been a weird day. I am recording this um, podcast far later, far later than I normally would record, and I, and I don't like it. I don't bloody like it. I'm going to be honest, normally I'm tucked out in front of the fire, even though I don't have a fire at this time in the evening. But here we are recording because I went out today uh, with a tour manager, with TM, for his afternoon stroll. Uh, he enjoys a, a leisurely walk in the afternoon um, where he can he can sniff the uh, the surrounding areas. You know, I don't know, listen, I don't know if Doug's leave a message, a coded message in their pee, or if it's just uh, like a tag to let them know their pals have been there. But uh, afternoons is usually a very long, leisurely stroll. And uh, out today, snow, uh, a cold snap, I think is the best way to call it. I don't know what happened, right? I don't know if it's because, well, I mean, I do know, it's because I'm fat, right? I'm trying to say, is it because I'm getting older? Is it because I'm not, you know, as athletically fit as I used to be? The reality is it's just because I'm a fat bastard. Anything that's wrong with your body, when you're a fat person, it is just because you're fat. And I know that I used to joke, Christ, I used to do a bit of material about it when I could do comedy on stage to people. I used to do a bit of material about how fat people were scared to go to the doctors because everything's about your weight, but everything is about our weight because we're fat people. You know? I often sometimes look at that, look at that, look at that, a thin person. And I think I often I often think back to and this is how your uh, your childhood shapes your shapes your mind. I often think back to an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Believe it or not, and you're probably thinking, Gibble, how on earth do you look at the uh, horrific problems of obesity and somehow tie that back to a wonderful uh, television program from your youth? Well, let me let me let me explain. Let me tell you, there is a there is an episode that I don't know the number or the name. I don't even know if they were named. Were they named? <laughs> Did episodes have names back then, or was it just numbers? Anyway, there's an episode where uh, Will, uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, Will Smith, um, he uh, he he wears a fat suit, so he's the same size and weight as uh, as Uncle Phil, R.I.P. Uh, no, no, he's, he's dead. That's no, he's not a rap name. He's he's, he's dead. And uh, to give him an idea of what it's like to live as a large man, and I often think when I see some people, you know. And big, uh, tall streaks of piss. Or even the same height as I, right? Just a normal six-foot juggernaut. I often think, if you were to carry my weight for simply one day, 24-hour period, you'd collapse, you know? You wouldn't be able to get out the the sofa, out your bed, yeah? Um, But that's 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 no comfort for carrying this frame. Um, but back to the fucking story. You, you love a tangent, Gibble. Um, so I'm out today. Cold snap hits me. Uh, very much like in the, in your younger days, in your youth, when you would make a face in a, an elderly, uh, an elder person, an old cunt would say, if the wind changes, your face will stay like that. And you go, well, that's obviously the reason why you've got a face like a melted welly. Uh, but I don't know what happened. I was, I don't even know if I was flexing. I don't imagine I was, but I just had this intense pain um, right between the shoulder blades. And I couldn't move. Uh, I, I, it, was, it was. I continued to walk. Obviously, the two managers walk, and uh, with the the good lady, uh, obviously zero sympathy there, no sympathy whatsoever. Um, I imagine she felt either one, it's because I'm fat, as I, as I've suggested, or two, somehow try to wangle my way out of doing the dishes. I do not know, but I uh, came home, lay in the bed, didn't help. Tried to do some stretching. Did feel uncomfortable because I was exposed, and um, I went for the old kind of downward dog position, which is a strange one when you've got your arse in the air, you know, because you should always confess that something's going to try and stick a finger in your bum, and uh, listen, nothing against that, you know, not at all, nothing against that at all, I'm just saying you need to be uh, prepared for it, you know, a finger in the arse is a, is a delicate thing. You know, I, I definitely don't think we're going to, I mean, we are, as I am speaking in my mind, I'm going, where are you going with this? I don't know. This is the joy of a podcast. You can ramble. I uh, I am not uh, against. Uh, in fact, you know, if I had to pick a side, I'd say uh, very much a fan of a uh, 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 bum play. Come on now. But uh, something you want to be <laughs> prepared for, uh, preferably a few hours in advance. You know, you don't really, you don't want sneak, sneaked up upon. With the old, uh, with the old bum play. What are we talking about? It's not even on the list. Um, so you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, indulge 
And that's sort of the activity. A uh, few hours warning uh, is my suggestion. You know, when they're leaving for work in the morning, uh, you'll be giving the the pieces, you know. Uh, you give him a kiss goodbye. You're like, right, see you tonight. Uh, your ass is getting fingered. It's something like something along those lines. You know, obviously make up your own uh, dialogue, but uh, certainly a few hours morning. Um, but I was exposed, and uh, stretching was not helping whatsoever. And uh, took two paracetamol. Um, and this is where the story takes a twist. Was given. That's the that's the key. Was given two tablets. Now I asked for paracetamol. I assume not paracetamol. Given two tablets by the good lady, uh, put some deep heat on me, which I didn't think was going to work. And can I just say, my God, deep heat! What a what a cream, you know? Dangerous in the wrong hands. Dangerous in the wrong hands. Um, every, every young man, uh, I'm sure, has a horror story with deep heat, uh, usually involving the the cock and balls. Sometimes not together. Sometimes separate. Um, but uh, oh my God, what a cream! Uh, on the old shoulder blades and uh, and then somehow miraculously I went for a four and a half hour sleep now I am convinced during that time that the uh, the government has come in and reset my brain I think that's what's happened I don't think that was anything to do with uh, mild onset depression or uh, adult obesity uh, I'm convinced that the government's came in and implanted a chip in me because you know the numbers in the podcast are growing we're getting to a wider reach I am sure convinced but uh, the point being I slept through the day um so we're in the podcast tonight. Um, so welcome to you all. And what a long, what a long-winded introduction to say. Welcome to episode seventy-one. I need to start writing these episodes down because I don't, I don't know if it is seventy-one. So um, again, just talk amongst yourselves, you know. And I'll probably talk to you because that would be dead air. And we'll, uh, we'll actually double check as to see what episode this is. Um, I should know. I mean, I should know these things. But this is the problem with uh, with numbering them. You know, you never actually know where you are. We're on episode 71. It is 71. There you go. That's great. Pop that there. Episode, oh my God. Have you ever bumped on an inward breath? That was most uncomfortable. So, since we last spoke, food prices through the roof, as I think we can all uh, agree. Uh, every time I go, every time I go to the supermarket, I feel as if I am being financially assaulted. You know? And even, this is how bad it's getting, <laughs> even when you're going to Aldi and Lidl, literally, the bottom of the ladder. You're coming out, you're going into Aldi going, £2.49, that's not a price for Aldi. <laughs> it's a full chicken, you fucking cunt. I know, but that's a bit much, man. I would say like 12 pence, it's probably acceptable. I, I have a real problem with the supermarkets. I quite enjoy Morrison's. Because I feel as if everything that I need in Morrison's is on the outskirts. It's on the ring road, right? Most supermarkets, you'll agree, they'll they'll have that kind of outer outer ring road, if you like. That you can just move. You go down. You go down the far lane, right along the back, down the back lane, and then along the front, and you're out. Now, oddly, it seems as if in most supermarkets, especially Asda. Asda does the body of its work in the centre. You know, that's where they like to be. Asda is a layout for a store. They don't necessarily want you on the outskirts. You know, they want you in the middle, uh, where the highest pri- the high-priced items are. You go to an Asda, you're greeted straight away by that uh, horrific clothing line, um, which is for, for gypsies and pirates. And then you, you do the, 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 the outskirt, the, the long lane, past the Asda deli counter, which is the saddest deli counter in the world. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people. Let's just say a lot of people with criminal backgrounds making bad pizza. Okay, uh, some very angry uh, old lesbians aggressively dragging rotisserie chickens out of an oven. Uh, that that's the the body of the work in the in the eyes of the deli counter, followed by uh, a fish counter, which I don't believe is real fish because it looks as if it's the exact same fish. Uh, week in, week out. And also, can I just say, I mean, it's amazing the things that reconnect in my mind. Many moons ago in a past life, I worked in a place called Macro, which was like, uh, it was like Costco. The prob- Most people know Macro. It's a cash and carry, right? Problem being with Macro, they let any fucker in. Hockey. And they had a, they had a kind of, it was split into two. So they had like, you know, the, uh, the food, and the booze, and like your toilet rolls, and but industrial, right, so you're not going in there and buying like a pint of milk and four bog roll, you're buying like 4,000 toilet roll and fucking a cow, right, industrial, 
And then the other side of it was like clothes and like anything, shoes, computer desks, lamps, printers, uh, electrical, hardware, uh, bed furniture, frames, bed frames, furniture, fucking anything you can think of in this other half of the shop. And obviously it didn't work, you know, it didn't last, and then it fucking went bust, uh, and then they just moved into the food, right? Uh, which is where they should have been at the start, because people were coming in and just walking around to waste time. Uh, anyway, um, when I walked in there, I walked in the, the kind of food bit, right? Checkouts in the food bit. And uh, also, do you know, alarmingly, there used to be two guys who would come in. So every night, at about maybe an hour before the shop closes, right, they would start marking stuff down. And it was basically stuff that had gone out of date that day, right? Or was like going out of date in the next day. And I think they got away with selling stuff that was close to expiration or selling it on the expiration date because I don't think they're classed as a supermarket. You know, like, you know, like most supermarkets, if they have something that's going out of date the next day, they'll mark it down. Well, in Macro, we had this thing where even if it was going out of date on that day, we would still sell it. And then when it was like an hour before closing, they would mark it down because technically after tonight, it's all out of date and it shouldn't be consumed, right? I suppose technically that's the case. There used to be two guys who would come in every single night. I shit you not, every single night they would come in and one of them ran a cafe and one of them ran like a burger van. I'll never forget that. When my manager told me I was fucking disgusted, both of them in Claybank, that fucking sums it up. They used to come in and just buy everything that was out of date. Packets of meat, cheese, but anything, anything they get their hands on. And then punt it in their cafe the next day. Fucking disgusting. Anyway, so, uh, one occasion, uh, I was in fish. Uh, five pound fish, working the fish counter. Fuck me, man. What what a life for a fish, you know? Swimming in the sea. This is where I get, I think, a lot of my respect for food comes from. I generally hate it when I watch cooking programmes and the 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 chef the chef I'll say that the chef or the cook right the cunt on the telly mistreats meat I hate it I don't know where it comes from I don't know if it's my love of animals but they're tasty I hate it so like they've got like a whole pig and they like spank its ass and you're probably going what fucking cooking shows are you watching I'm even watch that David Chang one uh, when I talk about barbecue ugly delicious whole pig line they're going to roast a whole pig and the fucker spanks its ass because thinks it's funny I hate that. It really annoys me. I just think, treat stuff with respect. You know? I'm not going to be all fucking Wusa, Kumbaya, my lord. Let's put a pair of socks in the pigs and let them fucking roam free or move into our house. Because bacon is delicious. I'm just saying, have a bit of respect for the animal that's died so you can eat it. You know? But if I was an animal, if I was a, if I was a pig or a fish, you know, if, I, if I'm going to be eating... I'd want to. I'd want to be caught off the of the North Sea of Scotland, you know. Brought in a beautiful uh, Michelin star restaurant, cooked up in a in a delightful way, and uh, enjoyed. Right. I don't want to end up in Macro's fish counter because what would happen is I was on this fish counter for a week. And remember during the summer holidays when you're working away, trying to earn money so you can go to Tenerife near Hull in the sun. We effectively had a freezer, so you get the fish counter. Uh, you've got a kind of a small work area. Uh, to you, if you're facing it the way to your left was a set. Of, sorry, to your right was a set of scales. To the left was a walkway, and directly behind you, the the wall that was behind you. So you, you've maybe got a meter and a half right space. It's not a very big space to work in, and directly behind you is the freezer. And that's where all the stock goes, right? And literally for for the whole week I was there, and before and after me, you would literally put the fish out. On the ice, so you fill the display with ice and put the fish out. And then at the end of the night, I'd put the fish back in the box and I'd stick it back in the freezer. And I literally did that every single day for a week and I never I never sold a single bit of fish. And I'm just thinking, who the fuck is buying this? Who is buying this fish? I, other than salmon, and I don't know why, I feel as if I just trust salmon. Other than salmon... I don't think I've ever bought a bit of fish. Even even in a fishmonger's. I'm trying to think back. I've maybe bought a little bit of God or Haddock. You know? 
But I'm going, I know I made a scallop dish once, but that was at a fucking cooking school thing where it was provided, so I'd never bought it. I'll buy salmon, I'll buy prawns, because they're the bastards of the sea, but other than that, and, and, and oddly, if I'm ever buying fish, I'll never buy it from the fish counter. In a supermarket, now obviously in a fishmonger you would hope, you know, that it's, it's decent. But there's just something about it I just don't trust, you know, I just I just feel as if fish is, fish is the one thing you can't fuck about with. You know, we've all done it in the past where you've, you've had like a roll and sauce or something like that, it's just got cheese on it, went, no, oh my god, it's cheesy, and then you shout yourself and you're fine the next day. But there's something about fish that I go, in the name of fuck, that is a rotten. Never buy from a fish counter, why is that, why is that gibble, I don't know. But if it's wrapped in plastic wrap on a wee kind of foam board, get in a trolley. Macro was an odd place, man. Macro was a fucking wild place. That's not really surprising. Lot. So, food prices uh, apparently are going through the roof. Um, I have, uh, in an article I saw, this is across Europe, and I suppose we're not in Europe anymore, so how does it how does it affect things? Um, I don't know, but... You know, we just we just hope we can I just hope we can go back to having some cheap dinners again. I just you know what, I just want to get back out in the restaurant. I'm watching a programme tonight uh before recording this and they're, they're talking about going out for, for a meal and then the next thing is that they're in this restaurant, a couple of them having a having a dinner and I'm like, fuck me man, I'm asking it for dinner. You know? I think I think we'll all appreciate things a little bit more for a short period of time. I think if we get if we get released, if we all get early release for good behaviour in June I imagine by October, everyone will be back to normal again. Normal in the sense of nobody gives a fuck, nobody values it anymore. I think we'll all be back to that. I think that's the way it's going to be. I think for the first couple of times, you know, you might be sitting there uh, having your dinner going, I can't believe that we're actually getting to eat inside again. This is fantastic, Franco. Oh my God, Franco, all I wanted days have... I bought a fucking pint of snake bite and a burger and chips in a backyard and this is absolutely fantastic. And then cut the most in the line. You know. We'll be back to no leaving tips again and fucking fighting in the streets and shit in a corner. Nobody will care. We'll be back to normal. Um, holidays as well. Holidays. Summertime. I saw an article actually when I was looking for some stuff to, to go through that the uh, the holidays to, to Europe. Back on the cards. Was this ever in doubt? Was this ever in doubt? I know there was a discussion uh, briefly about the... Um, what's it called? The uh, fucking COVID, the passport. In the name of God, Gable, how can you forget that? There was a there was a discussion about a, a vaccination passport, right? Which, apparently the UK is not going to... It's not going to make mandatory, or it's not. It's not going to. It's not going to make us do or make us have. But then there's a discussion around most European countries are going to have it, or they think they're going to have it, because I imagine it's a way to generate some kind of money. Because no doubt there'll be a charge involved. And um, the 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 EU has done a has done a U-turn, which do you know what? I think that's going to happen quite a lot. I think this whole thing with Brexit now has been pretty hard on the UK at the start. But I think things are going to soften, and I think it's going to start to switch back. Not maybe into our favour, but I certainly think it's going to switch back into a more level playing field. Because let's be honest, see if anybody watches any of the news when it talks about Europe, really, or you look at any of the kind of news reports, or you, you read anything about the kind of new, the central control of the EU. France is fucked. Italy is fucked. Germany is and probably always will be the 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 powerhouse of Europe, right? They're, they're, Germany's putting themselves in a position to, for another shot at the title. I am telling you that right now. Before our lifetime is out, their plan was to fucking get rid of Captain Tom, right? That was too much of you know getting the Rangers fans out, fucking rock flag and eagle, rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Germany are making another push for the title, man. They're going to consume Europe uh, without anybody even knowing, and then maybe 10, 15, 20 years. WW3, boom, another push for the title. I'm telling you, it's, you heard it here first. But as things start to soften, some people have maybe went back, you know, maybe maybe Merkel's leading the way going, fuck Britain, they left us, they're fucked, they're getting nothing, they're getting cut off, we're no sending any fucking cucumbers, fuck the bastards, your time's up, you had your chance, you blew it, fuck off. And then everybody's gone back to their own wee bits, you know, and Spain's piped up and they've went, hold on a minute here. 
if suddenly British tourists start coming to fucking Porta Flamenco, uh, we're fucked, you know? Just because uh, Britain uh, has left the EU, does not mean that the British scumbag no longer exists? And these fuckers need a watering hole. And that watering hole is Spain and Portugal. So, the EU apparently seems to have done some kind of switch where it said that travel within uh, Europe is going to require a European uh, vaccination passport. Uh, they're now saying that they're willing to open up, apparently, uh, to include UK uh, residents uh, who have n- no access to a non-vaccination passport. Apart- so, what they're saying is, if you're a scumbag and you used to come to fucking Torremolinos or Porta Ventura and you get steaming on sangria, and you go to the strippers, and you send the winds down the beach, and you invest your money in a fucking, uh, you know, non-existent economy, welcome back. Uh, article again at Good Friends of the Metro, we're probably going to have to start finding some other sources for news. Uh, European Union announced plans for a coronavirus vaccine passport scheme, uh, and said it could be open to non-EU countries, including Britain, which it will be. Uh, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen uh, revealed the launch of a digital green pass to allow travel to resume across the continent this summer. She said the scheme would aim to open up travel within the EU first, which would allow Europeans to book hotels and resorts before other countries. Uh, the digital green pass should facilitate European lives. She said the aim is to gradually enable them to move safely in the EU or abroad for work or tourism. Now listen, you, you're going to have to, if, if you're going to become... If you're going to start to look at European politics again, or even world politics, especially when we're in a position now with Biden being president, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, you're going to have to almost learn how to read the news. All right, I I have either been doing a power of cocaine in my sleep, or the cat is fucking ripping my nostrils again. You're going to have to learn to read the news. You know, like when you when you learn to pass your test, right? You learn to drive. You learn to pass that test. You don't actually learn to drive. Because as soon as you get the green light and you get that driver's license, you're fucking off. One hand in the wheel, one hand at the windy, GBX blasting. Oh, all right, you dick. That's what you're doing, right? So you're effectively learning just to pass the test. And then you actually learn how to drive in the real world. We're all going to have to learn to read the news because you might read words and think, I'm dead clever, I'm reading the news. You're not actually reading the news, you're just reading words. So you're going to have to learn to read the news. And by that, what I mean is, perfect example is that last statement. Uh, let's just read it again. The, uh, she said the scheme would aim to open up travel within the EU first, which would allow Europeans to book hotels, resorts before other countries. Now, that is... Um, Oh, it's slight fear-mongering, and, and what it's saying is that the, the scheme will allow Europeans, meaning not you, because we've left, even though the majority of us wanted to remain, and in fact, Scotland's desperate to get back into Europe, so people are going to start to get angry and start to get worried, and they'll be like, Franco, if all the good hotels in Porta Ventura are booked up by other Europeans, eh? What if all the people from France decide to go to Porta Ventura? Or Torremolinos, or Benidorm, God forbid Benidorm, what we got to do, Frank? We're never going to get booked up. That's the fear they want to put in your hearts. Then they got to say the Digital Green Pass should facilitate European lives, she said. The aim is to gradually enable them to move safely in the EU or abroad for work or tourism. Again, getting that idea of fear going like, listen, you're no longer able to move around Europe. You're no longer able to do things without us saying so, and we're going to get first dibs on it. And do you know what? Let them go down that line of thinking. Because I imagine the mayor of Benidorm will soon be on the phone going, get everybody for fucking Middlesbrough on a plane and get them out of here right now. So we read between the lines. Uh, Chief spokesman later added, "We are on the view. We are of the view that in collaboration with the World Health Organization, there should be a way to scale this up globally. Uh, the vaccine passport scheme could be in place as early as June." Um, and the idea would be to unlock the continent's beaches and resorts in time for a busy summer season. It's thought the plan includes also allowing non-vaccinated tourists to travel. I mean, what's the point in that then? Listen, I fully get. I don't know if I. I don't know if I agree with it or if I endorse it, a vaccine passport. Um. You know, I think that. That's a tough one, man. Because do you say to people, 
you must be vaccinated. It's it's a it's a hard topic because I will get the vaccine, obviously, because uh, I, you know, I just uh, I want the vaccine. I want to get back to normal. And I think that the sooner everybody's vaccinated, I think that that's probably a big step. Whereas now all the actions are kind of small steps. I think once you get the vaccine and we're all vaccinated, I think that's a big step towards trying to combat it and trying to get our lives back to some kind of normality. Now, if you say to people that you must be vaccinated. How does that sit with me? I don't know. I suppose everybody's got to have a choice whether they want to accept a vaccine or not. Um, do you then say, for example, you're, you're then going to be unable to leave the country if you are not vaccinated? But then are you forcing people to then become vaccinated? It's a difficult one, you know, so... I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who makes the first move on that, in the sense of which country says if you are not vaccinated you cannot travel to X country. It's going to be interesting to see who is the first one to do that. And then also how do you how do you police that? How do you cover that? Because surely the only way to prove you've been vaccinated is to have some kind of vaccination passport. Ah, it's a vicious circle that keeps getting running, running, running. I don't know. I don't know. But has anybody had the, had the vaccine? Any, anybody listening to this had the vaccine? Has anybody listening to me? <laughs> I, I want to get it. I want to get it, man. I want to get vaccinated. And then I want to get back out into the wild. Oh. Where's the first holiday? Amsterdam's the first holiday, but then after that proper holiday. I think I'm going to America. I think America's going to be the, uh, you know, the big one. I think I want to travel more. Parts of Europe, does, does Europe excite me? I don't know. I don't know. Parts of Scandinavia do. I'd love to do Sweden and Norway. I'd love to go north. Yeah, nah. Iceland would be cool to visit. You know, somewhere different, I think. I, I think I'm, I, I've been to Spain. And all right, I've only been to shitty bits of Spain. I, I'd like to go to Madrid. The missus has got friends in Madrid. Um, I'd like to go to Madrid and uh, and see that city. only been to Barcelona. Which, do you know what? Here, here's the here's a here's a thing. I I enjoyed Barcelona, but I don't know if I I don't know if I enjoyed the people. And I know that's maybe not the uh, not the, the the correct. Nothing's correct. Nothing's right or wrong. But I don't know if that is the common attitude to have. You know, I think that a lot of people feel like Barcelona is the uh, it's just it's the, it's the only place to go in Spain. You know, it's the only place to go in Spain. I just felt as though a lot of the people who I encountered were fucking up their own ass, man. You know, it was like a lot of Londoners with a tan. You know, they're very, very, very quick to tell you they live in the greatest city in the world. I'm like, shut the fuck up. See anybody that actually thinks they live in the greatest city in the world? Shut up. It just felt as if it was all very, oh, are we just, I'm like, no, you're shite, man. Well, no, no shit. that's lies. It's, it's lovely, you know, it is lovely, but it's just, um, I don't know, it just didn't feel, it didn't feel, it didn't feel right. What am I trying to say? I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say I'll probably not go back. I'll probably go to Madrid or San Sebastián to check out some food. That would be a good one. But uh, Madrid, aye. Uh, San Sebastián, yes. Um, anywhere else in Spain? No. Parts of Portugal. Went to Portugal a lot when I was young. Nothing there really interested me. The missus got a friend in Bulgaria. I'd like to go and check that out. Um, I think Russia would be a really cool place to go. Parts of America, parts of Canada. Uh, never considered South America, you know, and, and all all the times I've thought about travel or thought about places to go on holiday, never once is like Colombia, you know, maybe check in the Medellin cartel, I mean, that would be a good place to go, just go do it in Colombia, <laughs> and that's how I would just say it, yes, we're going for two weeks in Colombia, do the uh, Medellin cartel, you know, like when you get when you arrive at Glasgow Airport, right, and it's like, "Welcome to the greatest small country in the world," and it's just got pictures of like the Scottish Highlands and a fucking ginger cunt and a kilt, right, with a, either an a can iron brew or like a whiskey and a fucking haggis, right? Scottish pish. Does it just see when you arrive at Colombia? Is it just like a just a guy, a wee guy standing holding the braces in front of a giant fucking pile of powder? <laughs> Welcome to Colombia. See, see if I was a tourist born in Colombia, I would sell kilo bags of uh, of cocaine. Obviously, it's not cocaine. Could be powdered sugar, flour, you know, 
they're not going to know. But how nice would that be if you could go to a gift shop and buy a one kilo slab with like Pablo Escobar's face on it and a fucking stamp for the Medellin cartel? Yeah? Well, that's bloody marvellous. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Colombia. Uh, Argentina? No, thank you. Brazil? Not a chance. Peru? Nah. None of that interests me, which is odd. You know, which is odd. Um, but I can't wait to travel. Amsterdam, let's just get me fucking Amsterdam. Just get me to Amsterdam. So I can live a happy life after lockdown. This is taking a bit of ramble at the start. I apologise, we're, we're half an hour in and we're, uh, we're rambling in all sorts of directions. But uh, episode 71 and uh, and welcome. Welcome. Finally got around to watching the programme Dez about Dennis Nielsen. Now, when it first came out, I don't know what was happening. I don't know if I was if I was gigging or Do you know do you know what happens a lot? The missus loves goggle box, right? And I quite enjoy it as well as a good wee show, right? Uh, it's good because it gets me going. There's one or two families I can't stand, and when they're on, I'm like fucking idiot. So it gets the it gets the old anger juices flowing, the old creative juices. Um, but sometimes I feel as if I, I see a lot of a show, and Des was one of those things that I felt as if I saw a lot of it in trailers, and then I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch this, or I was probably working, and then it just passed me by, whatever. But it was um. It was brilliant. I finally got a chance to watch it. And it was as good as I thought it was going to be. Now, let me just say, David Tennant, what a fucking actor, man. What a fucking actor. See, again, and I know I just... I know I keep going on about it and I've got nothing to substantiate my claims, but I am telling you this. See if David Tennant was American. He would be up there with fucking Leonardo DiCaprio and the rest of the douchebags. David Tennant is an incredible actor. He's absolutely fucking dynamite. And the way that he plays Dennis Nielsen in this is chilling. Now, a couple of things I love about it, and a couple of things uh, as to why it's such a great show. Three parts. Three parts! Three parts, that's it. That's, that's all a show needs to be. Okay? See, unless you're making a sitcom or a soap, just make it Three fucking parts and fuck the fuck off. None of this 10 episodes, 22 minutes an episode bullshit where nothing happens. This American way of sticking an advert break, stick adverts in there, have 20 minutes of fuck all and then two minutes of a cliffhanger to bring you back. Get the fuck off my television. Three episodes, that's it. Three episodes, 50 minutes an episode or an hour if you can stretch it on the fucking country BBC. But three episodes... I'm watching it, right? The missus is watching it before she went, put it on. I'm sitting going, within the first five minutes, I know what's happening. The very first scene, I'm establishing who one of the main guys is. Okay, from this very brief interaction I've had right at the start of the programme, I know he's divorced, I know he's got kids, and I know he's moved in my new bud. Brilliant. The next scene, some cunts did, we found bones in the drains. Brilliant! We're off and running in a matter of minutes. I don't get three episodes of fluff Two and a half hours of build-up. I don't get that. Yes, I'm kind of paying it to the servant because the servant's fucking garbage, but I'm hooked on it and I've done 18 episodes and I can't give up. But Des was sensational, man. It was fucking chilling. Also, kind of worrying that I never knew that much about it. In fact, I don't even know if I knew anything about it. Well, you know, I went, when I found out Dennis Nielsen was Scottish, I was like, fucking come on. Huh? Scottish serial killer. Yes, please. Why are we no... Why is Dennis Nielsen no top of the list? Why is it... You know, Fred and Rose, why are they still leading the way on the uh, the British serial killer chart? I mean, you know, husband and wife power couple, man. It's going to be difficult to shake them off the number one spot, but thought it was great. Absolutely loved it. And uh, like I said, chilly, man. There's, there's a scene in it where... And I wish I could remember the guy's name, man, but he's playing the biographer of Nielsen, right? And he asks for a tie, because he doesn't have a tie. The uh, CPS never bring a tie for him to be in court. And he says he doesn't want to go into court with an open neck. Uh, because, you know, fair play, Dennis, all right, he chopped up young men and young boys. But uh, he, he, he knows, you know, he knows his place, right? I uh, No one should ever have an open neck uh, shirt. 
if you are in a, a, a position where it's uh, it's formal, put a fucking tie on. If you are at your work, put a fucking tie on. This whole trend that came off the back of fucking Richard Branson, only only Richard Branson should wear uh, a shirt with no tie. And the only reason for that is because he's a fucking tosser. That's it, okay? Whenever I was at work, or even now when I see people, uh, men in suits, and they don't have a tie on, I just automatically think you're a fucking dick, right? Put a tie on, learn to tie a tie, put it right up to the top button, don't do a Paul goals and fucking have it hanging down, get it right up to the top, a wins or not, and make yourself look professional and presentable, right? So Dennis Nielsen knows that, wants a tie, guy gives him his tie, and he's just going out, he thanks the biographer, right? Now they're between a, a pane of glass, he thanks him and he says, why, why are you thanking me, or what what are you thanking me for? And he says, your company. And there's a moment in it, which is just spectacular, right, where the biographer realises that that's that's was his motive for, for killing, was to, to have company of these young men, these boys. And he's realising in that moment that if this had have been the real world, if they, if they had have met in a bar, which they possibly could have done, he would now have been getting strangled and fucking going for a bath. You're going for a bath, ginger bollocks. Because of the situation they've been building with him. And it was a wonderful bit of acting. Just, just a wonderful show. I imagine most of you have seen it. And if you haven't, please watch it. Uh, and if you have, watch it again. Because it's that fucking good. Now, I was reading uh, a little bit about it. And it's, uh, it's just as chilling. I think it's chilling because... I think that the the... I think that the way that David Tennant reacts in it is 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 close to the real Dennis Nielsen in the fact that what makes it more terrifying is that it's so calm. So when he gets caught, there's no like you know it's not America, there's no frantic car chase, there's no it's no some thriller where they're, they're chasing him across London and he's killing more people as he goes. It's just very very it's very calm. You know, there's no raised voice. There's no denial. There's no mind games. There is slightly later on as as the program goes on, uh, as the police start to kind of try and mess him about. There's a little bit uh, a change in his character, but at the start, it's very much you know, I you know they'll do me. They're dead. There's 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 two bags in the cupboard, mate. There's a cunt seed in that one. Uh, there's a soup pot in there. I've been open that soup pot, mate. There's fucking somebody's heat boiling in it. And never fuck. You know, it's very just very calm. They ask him how many people are dead. Is it, is it just that one person? And he says 15 or 16. But it's just the way in which he says it that's so fucking chilling. And from reading this article, it seems as if that's exactly the way in which the person was. Um, uh, it says here that all of Nielsen's murders were committed uh, at the two North London addresses where he resided between 1978 and 83. Uh, his victims would have been lured to the address uh, by um, Nielsen looking for friendship and killed by strangulation, sometimes accompanied by drowning. Following each uh, murder, Nielsen would observe a ritual in which he bathed and dressed the victims' bodies. Oh my God! Uh, which he re- retained for extended periods of time before dissecting and disposing of the remains by burning on a bonfire or flushing down the toilet. Nielsen became known as, and this is the thing that gets me, the, Mo, the Muswell Hill Murderer, which is a fucking shit name. Uh, as he committed most of the late murders in Muswell Hill. Uh, he died in hospital, York Hospital on the 12th of May 2018. Uh, right, okay. Uh, this is the, the bit here where I was trying to read. Uh, Hong Kong attempted murder following Danielson put on the camera. Uh, following Nielsen's murder, no, I can't. There was a there was a bit I was trying to read, and it was talking about. It was talking about the when the policeman found him. Right here, it's here. This is talking about his uh, his arrest. So it's saying here now they've been called out. So bones and what they suspect to be human remains has been has been found in a drain. Right, um, in the program it goes from the Dino Rod guy. Discovering the remains in the drain, uh, calling the police. The reality being that um, the Dino Road employee was called out by residents in the block to, to unblock the drains. Uh, Nielsen had been there and confronted him and said that somebody had been flushing a KFC or trying to uh, trying to flush stuff away, right? 
Uh, later on that night, he obviously goes back and clears the remains out, which they thought was suspicious. They contact the police. The police come round. They then question him. So that's the that's one of the changes in the uh, from the show to the reality is that he was obviously aware that the uh, the bones had been discovered and had tried to cover that up. Uh, so three officers went. Uh, three officers turn up to arrest him. Three officers uh, fall back. Fall Nielsen in his flat it was immediately met by the odor of rotten flesh, and this is when it gets fucking minging. Nielsen questioned further as to why the police were interested in the drains. To which he was informed the blockage had been caused by human remains. And uh, Nielsen fe- feigned shock uh, and said, "Good grief, how awful!" Uh, in response, the leading police officer Jay said, "Don't mess about. Where's the rest of the body?" Nelson responded calmly, which again is so fucking chilling, admitting that the remainder of the body could be found in two plastic bags in a nearby wardrobe, from which DCIG and his colleagues noted the overpowering smell of decomposition animated. The officers did not open the cupboard shite bags, but asked Nelson whether there were any other body parts to be found, to which Nelson replied, (laughs) even reading this, man, it's creepy because this isn't a... This isn't part of the script. This is real life, and that's what was, that's what was blowing my mind when I'm watching. I'm going, this is real life. Like you're a you're a postman. Maybe you're dealing with fucking you know cut up a tree or somebody's stolen a pint of milk, and then you're walking into a guy's flat, and it, like I said, there's no there's no there's no violence on his part. There's no resisting arrest. It's just very calm. You know the, uh, they're in that wardrobe, mate. There's two bodies in that wardrobe. Um, so you asked him where any of the other body parts confirmed, to which Nielsen replied again calmly, it's a long story, it goes back a long time, I'll tell you everything, I want to get it off my chest, but not here at the police station. I mean, how fucking chilling would that be? That would be more terrifying than, I think, than like opening a door and he's in the corner fucking eating a body. That would be more worrying going, you know, are there any other bodies? Look, mate. <laughs> Just casually smoking a fag in the corner. Look, mate, this is a long story, man. I've been fucking chopping up boys for years, mate. Fucking donkeys, right? Get me down the station, lads. Put the kettle on, and I'll tell you a story that'll fucking blow your socks off. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, I've been at the police station. He's then arrested, obviously cautioned and suspicion of murder. I mean, suspicion. There's a fucking bag of chopped up bodies in the cupboard. Uh, taken to the police station, uh, his escort to the police station, Nielsen asked whether the remains in his flat belonged to one person or two. So let me ask that again. Nielsen was asked whether the remains in his flat belonged to one person or two. Staring out of the window of the police car, he replied, 15 or 16 since 1978. That evening, Detective Superintendent Char- uh, Chambers, accompanied by DCIJ and Professor Bowen, uh, where the plastic bags were removed from the wardrobe and taken to a Hornsey mortuary. One bag was found to contain two dissected to- uh, torsos, disgusting. One of each, one of one of which had been vertically dissected. Uh, shopping bags contained various internal organs. In the name of fuck, man. I mean, that's a that's a hoarder. This is a this is a job for Kim and Aggie. You know, this is a job for Kim and Aggie. If Kim and Aggie got in Dennis Nielsen's house. Listen, son, you're keeping a bag of organs here. I mean, do we really need that? Is it bringing you joy, Dennis? Is it bringing you joy? Do you know what, Kim? You're right. Fuck it out the back end. I'll get a body gone. We'll get rid of this in the time. You've got a bag here of two tossers, Dennis. Who the fuck does that belong to? Are you keeping them for somebody? Come on, son. Get this place spruced up. Let's get out of here. <laughs> oh, the second bag contained a human skull. Disgusting, almost completely devoid of flesh. Of course, uh, a severed head and a torso with arms attached but hands missing. Why not? Both heads were found to have been subjected to moist heat. Because that seemed to be the thing as well, that he cut their heads off and then boiled their heads. Which again, like, forget about the smell. The the image of that. Like, imagine opening up a fucking soup pot and there's a boiling head in it. That, I mean, obviously there's things you don't want to, you never want to see or imagine, but that, that image must never fucking leave you. You know, if you're, if you're one of the poor fucking polos, police officers is going to have to discover that. That must never fucking leave you, man. Any, any, t- any time you're in the house, you know, like, 
The Doug's been sick. Come and clean that up. Just nothing would phase you. Nothing would phase you. I've cut my finger, Frankel, but it's really bad. I saw a fucking man's decapitated head boiled in a soup pot. Nothing can phase me. It was it was chilling. I think it was it was chilling watching it because Tennant is such a good actor in it, and there's almost a bit where you think that they're going to get off as well. Um, but reading some of that stuff is just fucking horrible. And and to think as well, the interesting thing that I find with these programs is it never actually even considers the the state that the country was in. The fact that now I think the truth has been that he murdered twelve people. I think fifteen or sixteen was an overestimation on the time. And then the police ran with that because it felt like a nice kind of round number. 15 sounds like a better number than 12. And I think that's what they ran with. But the reality being that he he killed 12 people. And he would strangle them um, or, or suffocate them. But then he would bathe them. And he would almost prepare them like they were a doll. And it's that, I mean, that's fucking so freaky, man. The fact that he would kill them and then wash them. He would shave their chests because in his mind... He's obviously a, a gay man, a homosexual man, so to him, the like a smooth chest is what he he liked. Uh, so he would shave them if if they were hairy, uh, shave them if they were hairy, and then dress them. Sometimes put makeup on them if their if their skin was imperfect or had been bruised or blemished from the from the the murder. And he would, like he said in the in the program and in this report, he would put them in in the chair next to him and he would sit with them there. He would keep them for a long time. And that is fucking horrific, man, to think of that. It's fucking horrific. It's horrible to think of someone being murdered. But there's almost like an added, like an extra layer of just indecency or, you know, I mean, disrespect's the fucking wrong word to use, but there's just a, there's an extra level of sadness, I suppose, that after you've been murdered or after these poor men were murdered, they were then used like some kind of plaything, like a doll. You know, there's something that's even more horrific about that. Like, if you ever found that a, a family member or a friend was murdered, it would be hor- horrible, it would be a horrific thing to go through. But then to find out that they were then used or, 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 or you know, bathed and dressed in some kind of ritual thing, that would be even that would be even worse to me because there was, they, would, they would feel as if there's something even, you know even wrong with the body as it was returned to you, if you fucking ever got the body back, if it's not been chopped up into wee bits, man. But it was chilling, and it was absolutely wonderful. It was a great programme, and uh, if you get a chance, if you, have, if you haven't seen it, watch it, because it's there's a heavy amount of shite in the telly, but that is a that is a great watch. Uh, David Tennant, one actor, and then actually read some of the stuff about uh, Dennis Nielsen as well. I want to try and get that book that was written about him, uh, Killing for Company, I think it's called. The biography, because it sounds as though it could be quite an interesting read. Or it could be one of these things where you read it and you go, he was just a fucking nutter, and this is a push book. But check it out. Uh, Des is the programme, if you haven't seen it already. Right, let's look at another news story from our good friends at the Metro. Further proving that the world's gone mad. And again, when you give people a little bit of hope about lockdown ending, they just hear what they want to hear. So people have heard, eh, lockdown's over, go out and be a dick. Um, from Joe Roberts, a name known to us in the Metro, the headline reads, uh, and I quote, three women fined after being caught dyeing their hair in a car park. That's right, three women fined after being caught dyeing their hair in a car park. Now, as someone who uh, lives with a woman, wonderful woman, incredible woman, a woman who is not very, not high maintenance in the sense of, my, I'm, my message is, I'm very lucky, naturally a beautiful person, inside and out, lovely skin, doesn't wear a lot of makeup, and, uh, you know, which, hey, listen, if you're a, if you're, if you're listening, if you're a rascal, uh, and you wear a lot of makeup, then, you know, fair fucks to you. But what I'm saying is, I understand how important uh, a woman's hair is to her, you know? It's like uh, fucking... What's his name? Who was the cunt with the mane? You know, Poseidon had the fork, but who was the guy or the woman or the, the lion with the fucking, with the big mane of hair that was his power? Anyway, I don't know my Greek mythology. Um, fucking Spartacus. Spar- Sparces. Uh, uh, bunny. Anyway, a woman's hair's a power, right? It's a powerful thing, a woman her hair. It can say a lot about her. It can say who she is. 
and women spend a lot on their hair. You know, it's a, it's a racket, you know. And um, so I understand that lockdown's been difficult because there's, there's probably women out there that have hair like a bus couch, desperate to get to a fucking salon, you know. And if some 17-year-old lassie run their fingers through their hair while they blow snorters into it, I'm sure they're desperate for that. But lockdown is, is, is driving people and saying it's made them do desperate things, and this seems to be the situation with these three women. Uh, the article says three women have been fined for breaking the lockdown after they were caught dyeing their hair in a car park. Uh, the rule breakers, super spreaders, were among hundreds of people found breaching coronavirus restrictions over the past few days in South Wales. Oh, it's a bloody Welsh again. It's always a Welsh. Despite Wales remaining in, uh, under a level four alert, as is Scotland, uh, police say many people ignored the measures to travel to beaches and parks. Over 370 fines in total were issued over the weekend, including 13 people for non-essential travel to Penrith Pier. Two people from Newport were fined as they made their way to Swansea Beach for the day, and a further four people went to Chathach in Methathilzer to walk the dog. Meanwhile, 105 fines were handed to people caught. This is bollocks, get me to the point. Uh, and it's Swansea, uh, right, but the reality is coronavirus, uh, the vast majority of people, the rollout, the vaccine, uh, local, we do not enforce the rules, but we're uncertain to clear, get in touch, is that it? So there's no fucking story, fuck you Metro, fuck you Joe Roberts, and fuck you, there's nothing there. 105 people handed out fines, right, 13 were caught gallons in Barry, right, further five men stopped in fine travel in England, right. Chief Superintendent, we know it's been very challenging a few months, but you need to stay in the house. Reality is, coronavirus threat, we're in level four. Vast majority of sacrifices, roll out vaccine, force on us. So there's no there's story. There's no story. It's literally a headline. Fuck you, Metro. This is how you end a relationship that's been going strong for 70 episodes. Three women find after caught dying here in a car park, and then there's no story. How fucking dare you? I'm leaving that in. As I was reading that, I'm thinking, I'll cut that out and we'll go to the second story. No, I'm leaving that in because people need to know that the fucking bastards at the Metro are becoming clickbait cunts. Fucking clickbait cunts. I clicked nothing the other day, heavy. And even as I'm reading it, I'm going like, I've been, I've been baited. I've been clickbaited. Oh, it was Ram, it was Ramsey, it was Ramble. Uh, so I think about fucking Ramsey that they, there's a, there's a page on Facebook called the Billy Conley Fan Group, which I, um, I had to unfollow because it's now just became fucking clickbait central. I don't know if it's been taken over by bots. I don't know what's done, but they used to share some good uh, old photographs of the biggie, which I enjoyed. And occasionally, because obviously he's in the States, uh, you would get some articles, some American articles of, of stuff about Connolly, and I enjoyed it. And now it's just became a fucking clickbait hellhole. And I think the line was, um, sad news for a fellow Scot. And it was a picture of Gordon Ramsay hosting his new fucking game show, which I've no watch and I will not watch. And it said something along the lines of uh, health scare for Ramsay or doctors advise Ramsay that this, you know, it could be a life changing illness. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on, man? And making it as if he's got cancer or he's dying, that's what it was making it as. And then when I read the whole article, right, which is uncommon for me, turns out that he might have arthritis. Fuck off! Clickbait bastard. So I apologise, listeners, that we went through that there. So we don't know anything about these women, you know? Were they sisters? Were they friends? Were they lovers? Is this a ritual? You know? Were they dying their hair in blood? Feces? Pig shit? Human shit? Piss? Urine? What colour did they dye their hair? Did the dye work out? Did the officers step in as they were still letting the bleach prime? I mean, these are all questions that should have been answered. So fuck you, Joe Roberts. You fucking wank. Uh, let's go to Shine Elvin, shall we? Uh, a journalist, a, a real journalist at the Metro, uh, who hopefully has given us an actual story. Plane forced to make emergency landing after cat attack pilot. Now, standard. Now, before we go any further, was the cat in the cockpit? I don't know. I don't know. What was the cat flying business? And the pilot has uh, has made his way through the cockpit to go and continue his uh, marital affair with one of the uh, flight attendants. And uh, he's like, the fucking cat sitting there. And then the cat's went from. Did the cat have a knife? Was the cat carrying a weapon? You know, does he have history with the pilot? Let's read on. Passenger plane reportedly had to take an emergency landing due to an out of control cat in the cockpit. 
<laughs> I don't know what the uh, flight code for that is. There's a fucking cat in the cockpit. The plane was travelling to Doha in Qatar. Uh, but the pilot decided to return to the Sudanese capital city of Kuratum. What? Who the fuck is flying from Sudan to Qatar with a cat? Local media reports suggest the animal was aggressive and angry. It almost cats are. And it somehow snuck onto the plane before it took off. How how does a cat sneak onto a plane? Eh? How does that happen? Explain to me. Explain to me how that happens, people of Sudan. I can't even take 120 mil only a fucking plane without somebody trying to shut down an airport. Get it in a plastic bag, get it sealed, and you better lose 20 mil. It's fucking Paco Rabanne, mate. Well, take a drink here, I'll put it down the drain, because if you can't bring 120 mil in here, you'll fucking crash your plane. But a cat can just walk on, like an episode of Garfield. What sort of security is in the Sudanese airport? These are all questions that need answered, and I don't imagine they'll be answered in this article. Uh, it resisted several attempts. Is this the captain of the, of the cat? It resisted several attempts to to uh, of restraint and even attacked the captain. For fuck's sake! According to the local paper Al Sudani, uh, the cat resisted several attempts to be restrained. <laughs> now listen, I don't know what the people of the the Sudanese people of Sudan are like. I imagine, given the opportunity, uh, someone could have came forth from the cabin and just fucked the cat with a shoe. I am not endorsing violence towards animals at all. I have a cat. I love him. But if I was on a flight and a cat was attacking the pilot, I'd fucking rattle the cat's jaw into next week. Open a vent, fuck the cat in the vent, fire it out into space. Or get that trolley... Open the wee door, jam the cat's head in, rattle, 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 cat's fucking dead. There, it's restrained. Now we can continue on our flight. Uh, the Sudanese Tarko flight, I mean, there's a there's a cheap airline for you, took off from Ka- Ka- Karatun International Airport, bit cheeky, uh, last Wednesday and had been in the air for around 30 minutes when the incident took place. The chaos caused the pilot to make the decision to turn the flight around. It's been suggested the cat would have climbed on board during a cleaning or engineering check of the plane without anyone seeing, but this has not yet been confirmed. It was reported that the plane had spent the previous night parked at a hangar at the airport. So what are they saying? The cat lives in the fucking hangar. Maybe the Sudanese people. Uh, and the fuckers at the International Airport need to sort their goddamn place out because it seems as if there's absolutely no security in there. Right team, let's end this one. Um, slightly ramble, slightly off in tangents. Two horrible news stories. To, not horrible, shite news stories to end on. And I apologise for that. Um, the Metro have got a week to fucking get themselves sorted. And hopefully we're back with some crackers. Episode 71, please, 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 please do me a favour. Subscribe to the show. However you listen, whatever podcast player you're on, the podcast is available on every goddamn player known to fucking man. However you are listening right now, subscribe and if you're on apple please leave a five star review if you're not head over to apple subscribe to the show and leave us a wee five star review and let's try and get the show registered on one of the charts and moving up if you do enjoy it share it on your social medias encourage people to listen and please do get in touch if you've got any questions or topics that's that's it for another episode you're all wonderful i love you all especially the rascals if you're not on the patreon become a rascal uh, it is the only way to get access to all of the content from the show, including the Sunday service episodes, the comedy albums, anything extra special that goes out. Head to patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. I've got the website, BigScottGibson.com. All the links are on there. Subscribe, sign up, enjoy it. And uh, I'll speak to you on, on Sunday. Those of you who are the rascals, the rest of you fucking get on board, man. But thank you. Episode 71, in the bag. And, uh, and that's it. Stay safe, look after yourself, wash your hands and your arsehole. And hopefully, hopefully, I might even have some gig news next week. Fingers crossed. So, hopefully, I'll see you in a battlefield very soon. Take care, guys. Almost.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.